Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Michael Rodonic joins us now, uh, and you're going to want to stick around for Glenn Damon sharing about his new book, The Light, later on. Well, Michael is here to take your questions about the Bible, 800-555-7898, to call or text in with your question this morning, 800 800- Five 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 seventy eight ninety eight. Dr. Michael Rydelnik is a dean at Moody Bible Institute, professor of Jewish studies. He is the host of Open Line, which you hear on Saturdays here on Moody Radio, where he takes your Bible questions then. But we have them to ourselves this half hour. 800-555-7898. Morning, Michael. Hey, did your, uh, did your team win the Super Bowl yesterday? Or were you not? Did you not care? <laughs> I I didn't care actually, and uh, I was hoping for Philly because I have a really good friend who's crazy Philly fan, but just for him, just uh, for him. All right. And I I used to be a Giants fan. I've kind of lost interest in the NFL through the years, but uh, I used to be a Giants fan, and they lost. Uh, but they actually beat the team I was rooting for this year, uh, because. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I really wanted, I, I I like him a lot, and I really wanted the Vikings to win, and the Vikings beat the Giants, but then lost afterwards. So, yeah. yeah. Well, my team didn't win either, but at least uh, the Kansas City Chiefs won, so I was happy yeah. about that. Well, yeah. we uh, don't now, have... Listen, on... do, you, do you ever pray for teams to win? I have. Not anymore, but as a kid, I did. Absolutely. Oh, as, as a, a kid, kid, no. I yeah. was full you, out now? as an adult. <laughs> yes, I have. I am not ashamed to admit it. I certainly have. I'm trying and, to, maybe I have with my kids' teams. It, I've prayed like, for my kids' God, teams. God, keep them safe, keep them healthy, and Kentucky oh yeah, if basketball. we could win, that'd be good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I did not pray over the Super Bowl last night though. Does God? I, does God care who wins sporting events? I'm not sure that He cares. Although He might care about outcomes that might happen as a result of winning, mm-hmm. or you know, the the effect of it on people's lives. You know, I I don't know. But I think that he cares much more about integrity and uh, how we play the game, so to speak. It's a reflection of life, and uh, I think that's what he cares about. I was encouraged because both quarterbacks are professing believers and followers of Christ. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I did pray for them just as brothers in Christ to what that looks like when they're competing against one another. So uh, in in respect to praying for the game, not the outcome, but just those that were involved. Yeah. 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 Well, interesting. If you've got a question, not about sports this morning, but about the Bible, (laughs) 800-555-7898. Susan has called in from Boston and uh, she has a question. Susan, uh, what's your question for Dr. Rydelnik? Hello, Dr. Rydelnik. Um, it's an honor to speak with you. I have a question. I'm a new Christian, and um, people have been telling me that in order to be a real Christian, you need to speak in tongues. What does the Bible say about this? Hmm. Good question, uh, and thank you for those kind words, Susan. Uh, well, here's the thing. There's two things that people will say very commonly. They say that you don't fully have the Holy Spirit when you first come to faith in Jesus, that you need to have a second experience with the Holy Spirit, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. Yep. Yep. Uh, And then the other thing is, uh, so they say everyone doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Everyone doesn't have the baptism. The second thing they'll commonly say is that everyone needs to speak in tongues that everyone should. And that's actually the sign 
when you get the Holy Spirit, uh, God wants to give everyone uh, the 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 gift of speaking languages that were unknown. I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 13 says, uh, we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. So that's the direct opposite of what you hear, that everyone doesn't have the baptism. Verse 13, we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we are all made to drink, all, all made to drink of one spirit. And then if you go down a little bit further in that same passage, uh, it, at the end of it, he starts asking questions about gifts. And he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Now, it's an interesting Greek construction. Uh, it's a construction that demands a no answer. Hmm. It's, it's not just a question, not just rhetorical, but it demands a no answer. That's why the New American Standard translates it, all, do not, all are not apostles, are they? Implying the answer is no, and because that's what the, the structure means. And then it says, uh, do all speak in other tongues? And the answer is no. And so uh, I think this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 sort of uh, overturns both those ideas, that A, that you need to uh, get the baptism. Everyone doesn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No, we all do. And then secondly, should all speak in tongues? The answer is absolutely not. So uh, don't worry. Uh, you, you don't have to speak in tongues as a gen, if you're a genuine believer. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that question, Susan, so much. Also appreciate the answers. We go back to Scripture to find out some of these things that we may have been told by other well-intentioned believers, but certainly... Mm-hmm. We want to uh, to go back to Scripture and see what it has to say. 800-555-7898. We're talking to Dr. Michael Rydelnik. Join the conversation. You could also do that through our Facebook page, Dawn and Steve in the Morning, Moody Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Dawn and Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. And you can call us at 800-555-7898 to talk to Dr. Michael Rydelnik as he takes your questions about the Bible. If you uh, do have a question you can't get through or you're just nervous to be on the radio, go get his book, The 50 Most Important Bible Questions. But Kenneth is calling from Middle Tennessee this morning. Welcome, Kenneth. You're on with Dr. Rydelnik. Hey, how are you this morning? Great. How can I help you? Uh, yeah, listen, I had a question. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was told that he would be covered with dew for seven seven times. And my question was, is that seven days or seven years? And then after that, it says he was restored. But there was another gentleman or another fellow, Nabonidus, who uh, apparently messed up. He was taken out of the picture. Then Darius came in the picture. So my, And Daniel prophesied these things. So my question was, was Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar covered for seven years? Was he eating straw like an animal for seven years or seven days? Was Daniel and Jeremiah contemporaries at the same time? And was Wait, 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 wait. You, you've got a lot of questions. I have to start <laughs> writing them down. Really yeah. good ones, too. Kind of all there together. Yeah. Okay, You're seven studying. years, Jeremiah and Daniel contemporaries. Yeah. What else? Yep. Uh, Anything? The last thing was... Was, was you want to know about Nabonidus? Yeah, what happened? I know what happened to him, but did, was he king during Nebuchadnezzar's seven-year period or seven-day period? Did he got okay, 
I, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, you, you need to get the commentary, the Moody Bible commentary. Uh, yeah. M- modesty prevents me from mentioning who wrote the <laughs> Daniel commentary. <laughs> but the, their uh, initials wouldn't be Michael Rydell, like, would it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, it was seven years that he was. Okay. Uh, it said seven periods of time is literally what it says, uh, as seven right. times pass over him. Uh, uh, I believe it was Herodotus talked about that there was a period of insanity in the life of Nebuchadnezzar near the end of his life. Mm-hmm. And for years, right. uh, the, as best we can tell, the insanity that he experienced was similar to what Howard Hughes, the the millionaire, had, where uh-huh. he... he uh, thought of himself like grew his nails long and anyway that was it uh daniel and jeremiah obviously were were somewhat contemporaries but not in the same area daniel being in captivity before jeremiah went daniel left in 605 bc and jeremiah was was going all the way till 586 and then was didn't go to to babylon he went to egypt so uh so they were contemporary in time. And then uh, as for the son of Nebuchadnezzar, it was Nabonidus, but you go to Daniel 5, and after that you have uh, Belshazzar. People question the existence of Belshazzar, but now we have come to know that Belshazzar was co-regent with his father, Nabonidus, which is why when the writing is on the wall and it's asked, uh, who can tr- interpret it, whoever can interpret it, will be given one-third of the kingdom because Nabonidus and Belshazzar were sharing the kingdom so they could only give one-third, not half of his kingdom. Uh, and then uh, you ask in Daniel 6, there's a great dispute as for, because at the end it says, that very night Belshazzar the king over the Chaldeans was killed and Darius the Mede received the kingdom at the age of 62. John Whitcomb said that was a general under Cyrus the Great. Others have argued that uh, Darius was just a title for Cyrus the Great. Okay? Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I need to get that book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Moody Bible Commentary. That'll help you. It is. It's super helpful resource. Kenneth, thank you, brother, for your call this morning. Appreciate it so very much. 800-555-7898. That's the number that Kenneth called, and uh, we have Jessica, you're texting in on that number, and your question for Dr. Rydelnik is something that has been said to you. Here's the statement. The Bible cannot be the inherent word of God because Judas dies multiple different ways, which could not have happened. When someone says this to Jessica, what should she say in return? Uh, They are mistaken. Jessica is right for, to believe in the Bible as God's mm-hmm. inerrant word. That's actually a question that I have included in the 50 most important Bible questions uh, about the alleged two death scenes of Judas. In Matthew, it says uh, he hanged himself. In Acts 1, it says that he uh, fell and his uh, intestines spilled. Mm-hmm. So which is it? Well, apparently he hanged himself, the branch broke, he fell down, and his gut spilled out. So mm-hmm. that's, they're completely, har- you can harmonize the two events. The question is, 
to the Jewish people, it was written in Matthew that he hanged himself because cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. Acts was written to the Greco-Roman world where suicide was considered an honorable thing. So therefore, it wrote that uh, that he fell down and his gut split open because it that desecrates the body, which was elevated, and it's, uh, the the uh, destruction of his body that way shows that he was accursed. Mm. So uh, it was to emphasize that he was an accursed man in both stories. That's why they, they presented it differently. Great discussion this morning. Every Monday we have Dr. Michael Rigelnik join us. He's the host of Open Line on Saturday, all ours on Monday morning. Keep the number handy, get those questions in, and we'll take them to conversation next Monday, 800-555-7898. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning. On YouTube today, Dr. Josh Straub shares on his and Christie's new book, What Do I Do With Anger? This interview will be up there as well. Don't forget to click the bell and subscribe at youtube.com forward slash at Dawn and Steve to be reminded each time a new video drops. And this interview would be with Glenn Damon as he joins us to talk about the lighthouse, discovering security and the radiance of God's character. Glenn, you're a pastor there in the state of Washington, and we're so thankful you're able to join us. It's bright and early out in Washington state. So thanks for taking the time to talk about the goodness of God. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a great topic to talk about. You know that's right. And you're looking at the book of Malachi. Why did you dig into Malachi to share the lighthouse with us? Well, the 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 whole book looks at all different passages um, dealing with the attributes. But in Malachi, it deals with the the immu- the uh, immutability of God that He doesn't change. And that was in a time that really is very reflective of our own culture uh, in terms of this massive change going on in our own culture was what they were facing back then. And so, uh, you know, I think we need a a fresh glimpse of God's character and his, the fact that he's not changing, but all his attributes that give us a sense of security today. And so why is it so important for us to uh, understand the attributes of God, like his unchanging character, some of these other things? How, how when we understand his attributes, does our relationship with him change? Well, you know, we live in a, we live in a culture of change right now. And, uh, you know, you look at what's going on in our, our world today, and there is just a tsunami of, of change, and you think about all the things that are going on, the uncertainty, and change brings fear. And we live in a culture of fear today. Uh, Vance Havner made this statement. He says, men love everything but righteousness and fear everything but God. And I think that's where we need to, to go back to, because we need a right perspective of God to get a handle on all the insecurity that we're facing today that, uh, you know, God is so much bigger than we imagine, and he is in control. His sovereignty is such that he orchestrates everything to fulfill his purpose for humanity, and his power is such that he will always be able to accomplish what he wants, and in a way that is the, the most fitting. And so, you know, I think we need that fresh look in the church today, because really we don't have a crisis of morality in the church. We have a crisis of theology, a crisis of dealing with who God is and what his nature is and how that relates to us today. And so that's kind of 
the essence of the book in terms of what I'm trying to accomplish. I love that. I love that when you go into God's word, it challenges where you are. Like with fear, there is so much fear, so much anxiety. And we do have answers in the presence of the Lord. But sometimes, Glenn, I think that we struggle with saying, oh, I know what the Bible says, but... And, and bridge that gap for us. I know it's the work of the Holy Spirit for certain, but is there something that we as Christ followers need to let go of so that that but is removed and we can trust the character, the attributes, and walk in the truth of who God is? Well, you know, how does the finite grasp the infinite? You know, that's, that's yeah, a question yeah. that we have to wrestle with. Well, the way we do that is we make the infinite finite. In other words, we to grasp him, we bring him down to our level. And uh, as a result of that, we make him bigger than us, but he's kind of like us. And, and I think the challenge for us is, and, and the challenge that we're going to face our whole Christian life, Paul understood this challenge. He says, you know, not that I obtain these things, but this one thing I do is press on is the challenge of seeing God in his multifaceted glory, that his immensity is so much bigger than we can ever grasp. You know, I look at, I like to go out and take pictures of night at night at the Milky Way. And, you know, the James Webb telescope now has captured a star that they say is 28 billion light years out there. Well, that's seven times around the earth in one second, now multiply that by 28 billion years. And it says, the Bible says he measures the, the heavens with the span of his hand. And if, if God is that immense in his totality of his character, then why do we get so apprehensive and fearful of who he is today? And, and I think that the challenge for us is to really rethink the the immensity of God and recognize him for who he is. If we don't do that, is there a danger to our effectiveness as we follow Christ? Oh, absolutely. Because then, then we, we start conforming him to our image in our culture. And that's what we see going on in the church today. And that's why I say it's a crisis of theology uh, because we're conforming God to our perspective and then he becomes changeable rather than infinite. Talking with uh, Dr. G- Dr. Glenn Damon this morning. He is a pastor in Stevenson, Washington. He's been pastoring for over 35 years, written a number of books, including The Lighthouse, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character. We're going to continue the conversation with Glenn coming up in just a few mem- moments. If you want to weigh in, you can call or text 800-555-7898. Miss part of the show, remember to connect with us on Facebook at Dawn and Steve in the Morning. Well, we uh, hope that you'll do that and connect with us on all uh, platforms of social media. We've got YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You're looking for our names, Don and Steve. You can go directly to the website and uh, connect with us that way as well, mymoodyradio.org. But we're connected with Dr. Glenn Damon. He has written a book entitled The Lighthouse, Discovering the Security in the balance of God's character. And as we take a look at the attributes and the character of God, Glenn, one that um, I've been looking at recently in a Bible study that I'm in, and uh, my wife and I were, were talking about this, is we were looking at Isaiah, and you get this glimpse of the throne room of heaven, and you see the Lord seated on his throne, and the, the seraphs 
Seraphim are all around him, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And, you know, if we know that the definition of, of holiness is to be set apart, like, okay, I get that. God is so set apart from us, but he calls us to be holy. So how do we, under, how can we understand the holiness of God, how he is so holy, and how can we be holy? Well, I think of all the attributes that God possesses, the one that we have the most difficult grasping is his holiness, because it's really the one that we, we cannot relate to. Because when we think about his holiness, it means that he is, he is transcendent above all things, and he's absolutely pure and separate from sin. And not only is he separate from sin, but he, he cannot be associated with sin. Uh, and and A.W. Tozer put it this way, and he said, the greatness of God arouses fear within us, but his goodness encourages, encourages us not to be afraid. To fear and not be afraid, that is the paradox of faith. And you look at that, that incredible picture there in Isaiah of his holiness, and you see that that paradox in Isaiah's response. On the one hand, he says, woe is me, you know, I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm, I'm condemned. Doomed. Yeah. But, yeah. But then he turns around when, when he says, when God says, who shall I send? He says, send me. But I, I think the holiness is the one aspect that we have to go back to if we're going to develop a moral foundation again for our, our country in our own personal lives. We got to go back and say, God is absolutely pure and holy and just. And not only is he holy and separate from sin, but in his holiness, he is the one that defines what is morally right. It's his holiness that determines right and wrong and morality today. Uh, and not our culture and not, you know, the popular vote or uh, the popular opinion, but it's his character. But but that's the one I think we're always going to struggle with because it's foreign to us because we're so tainted by sin mm -hmm. that it's hard to grasp the holiness. And as you said, the finite grappling with the infinite, and you're so right, that is an attribute we just can't comprehend. Another one may be to some of us, father, the fatherhead that he is to us. Uh, he is the father of all. And in these last just couple of moments, can you address that for someone who might say, I don't get that at all? Well, I think it's, I don't get it until I became a father. And then you realize that a father loves his children, no matter what, and they will always be his children, even if they do things that we don't want. Uh, and like, he's still our father. And he still loves us and he cares for us. And that will never, ever change. And that, I think, is the foundation of that. Mm -hmm. Now, as we look and talk about the attributes of God, the book is called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character, not just the things that we know and are familiar to us, but who he is. Dr. Glenn Damon, the author and our guest, will connect you to him through our Facebook page. It is Don and Steve in the Morning, Moody Radio.